I'm Elaine Shannon. I'm Dana Lloyd. Welcome to Soul Sister Conversations, the podcast where we inspire and empower you to connect more soulfully to yourself. In this episode of Soul Sister Conversations, we speak with Dr. Gail Friend, intimacy expert who helps people to confidently and freely be their happy selves in and out of the bedroom and turn the relationships around. Gail talks to us about sexuality related to body, mind, heart, and spirit. And please note this episode is an adult conversation about sex and intimacy. Dana, (laughs) Elaine, this is going to be a... A hot conversation, maybe? Spicy, hot. <laughs> I think it's going to be super interesting. Um, we're talking to an intimacy expert today, and her name's Gail Friend, Dr. Gail Friend. Uh, friend, as in she's your friend. And and she is your friend, because Ga- Gail, friend. we met you recently. <laughs> Welcome, Gail, to Soul Sister Conversations. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. So I'll give the listeners a little background on how we encountered you. So we often talk about, you know, woo-woo, the universe, and the law of attraction. And so uh, Elaine and I and yourself attended the uh, at a big magic event with Elizabeth Gilbert uh, back in early October um, for her, her event in Halifax. And Elaine and I, know Elaine and I and another friend, we had VIP tickets. So we're like really close to the front. <laughs> And then we get there and Elizabeth Gilbert goes, all right, everybody just move around the room. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I've just paid like a lot of money to be in the front row. So I didn't move. And so she wanted us to partner up. So I just stayed where I was and there was a seat to my left. And and on different occasions throughout the day, the the person that was supposed to sit next to me did. And one of the people was you. And we didn't really talk about uh, what we did. We just did our exercises that we were assigned. And then after our conversation, I said, oh, and what do you do, Gail? And she says, I'm a doctor of human sexuality. And I was like, well, I've been waiting for you thinking about the podcast. And it would be interesting to have a conversation around that. So it was like you were delivered to us through that event. Did you feel that experience yourself? Oh, there were so many synchronicities that happened at that event. And absolutely, you and I were definitely one of them. Yeah, it was really cool. But Dana, and yes, Gail, sorry. I just I just find that happens more and more in life, the more tuned in I am to who I am on all levels. Absolutely. Don't you find that? Yeah. Oh, uh, yes. for sure. And the more, you're exactly right. The more tuned in I am, because I can get tuned out sometimes, and then it doesn't work that way. But it, I couldn't believe that you, when you said I'm a doctor of human sexuality, and I've been thinking about that for the podcast. And I thought, okay, like how many of those are there around? But not just thinking about it, Dana. Like we've we've had conversations, and, and you started saying it out loud, and I think that that's part of what yeah. Gail had said, right? That tuning in, and I think the, the more clarity you get around those things, and then you start saying them out loud, mm-hmm. and you kept saying, we are going to find somebody. Yeah. And, and, there, and then Gail was delivered to us. Thank you, Gail. <laughs> and, and what was interesting, because Gail and I then had a little post-discussion after the event, and so it was kind of like a pre-interview to figure out, was she a perfect fit? 
for the podcast. And just, you know, what she she said to me over the phone, I was like, oh, you're so perfect for Soul Sisters. So let's get to it. Be, and you're little, we'll read the little bio. You're, you call yourself an intimacy expert. So you are an inti- intimacy expert that helps people gain confidence in and out of the bedroom. So how did you become an intimacy expert? How did you get on this path? Okay, well, um, well, <laughs> this goes back a bit. It goes back to my first marriage a whole bunch of years ago, falling apart, and I used to love sex, and then I didn't, like, at all, and I honestly didn't have my first orgasm until the very last time I had sex with my first husband. Because wow. I, I knew I knew I was going to be free, <laughs> and, uh-huh. and and everything lightened up. Um, but honestly, I still felt like I was broken after we parted ways, and I didn't know what on earth was wrong with me. I'd always been interested in sex, and not just the activity, but everything that goes along with it. And I started taking courses one at a time here and there. All of a sudden I realized I had a degree in this. So I pursued it even further, got my doctorate. And during that time, what happened was I grew this wealth of knowledge around human sexuality. I also met my second husband-to-be, and things started off fantastic the way most relationships do. And then my old patterns started to kick in. And we hit a slippery slope. It got to the point where we were talking divorce. And I was working with clients at the time on their, helping them with their sexuality feeling like a complete imposter because my relationship was sliding and our sex life had tanked. And I just went, you know what? No, we're better than this. We are so much better than this. There's, there's more. I'm missing something. I'm missing something in this puzzle. So I started taking a lot more psych classes, got, uh, went, went back to spirituality, looking at all sorts of different healing modalities, you know, anything woo woo I was in full on. (laughs) And, you know, it just evolved from being helping people with their sexuality to recognizing that that is really just a symptom and it's intimacy on all levels within the relationship and within each person individually, body, mind, heart and spirit. Mm. So I apologize for that being a longer story, but how I became an intimacy expert does require that whole backstory because it's there's not one piece of that that doesn't contribute. For sure. Well, it's it certainly, you it, you know, you think that some people might just think about a career, what do I want to do in life? And you just pick a lane, but you have experience that brought you down that path that made you interested in helping other people. Um, how, how do you define intimacy? Uh, intimacy is a combination of body, mind, heart, and spirit. It is knowing your true self, all your innermost thoughts, what makes you tick, what ticks you off, and um, then being having the courage and the vulnerability to willingly share that with a partner. Wow. And again, that's 
body, mind, heart, and spirit, and your body being physical intimacy, uh, your mind are all your, I call it thought intimacy. It's your ideas, your memories, your experiences, how your beliefs, where did those come from? Are they outdated conditioning from the past? Are they true for you now? Uh, how do you feel sharing those with your partner? Uh, emotions, heart, of course, emotional intimacy, and spirit. It's sharing your true essence, your vitality, your your energy, everything that makes, you know, and, and your sexuality is is a part of all of that as well. Wow. So because it, it involves it involves your mind, your your yes. thoughts, it involves your heart and emotions, it involves your essence and your energy of your spirit. It's not just the physical activity. Yeah, that's so, so interesting. Uh, Gail, something you said interests me and, and when I was going through your website and that, you said things that tick you off. Right. And I think, <laughs> right. And so one of the things I read on your, on your, uh, through your literature is anger is not negative. And that really struck me. Um, because I think as somebody who rep has repressed anger in the past, and I think women tend to do that. Can you explain what that means? Absolutely. Uh, you know, as far as repressed anger, I've, I've gone both ways, <laughs> you know, I've repressed my anger, uh, and, and it's like a Spring. If you imagine you're being pulled back by a spring and you're repressing your anger, well, that spring, that tension over time becomes more and more and more until it bursts. And then all of a sudden, I was like the Incredible Hulk. And instead of lying down in repressed anger, I would just grow into this enormous monster of, of anger. And it was perceived as wrong, bad you know, I was, I was put down for all of those things without really the understanding what was going on underneath it. And anger is no different than any other emotion. They are all valid and they all have their place. Anger, just like sadness, just like resentments, that tells you it's an indicator of how connected you are or not to your truth, to your true self. Are you honoring your own boundaries? Are you angry because of past experiences that you keep being triggered by now? And that anger is something to look at and use as a launching point for getting back to your true self, for how to identify what those things are that tick you off so that you can process them effectively, leave them in the past and carry on with life. So it's not bad. It's there to guide us. But we often don't pay attention to what it's actually telling us. And the only thing that is, and I don't like to use the word bad, but we we um, inappropriately express it at times. Mm -hmm. Connected to, iPad to. Sing it like you said. Or getting real big and angry and demanding and loud but not from our truth. Mm. You, you said that, um, I think I, I think you just said it momentarily, and you also have it on your website, about being your happiest true self. What does that have to do with intimacy and sex? Oh, man. Well, can you imagine? If <laughs> just you a little question. This <laughs> all this repressed anger and resentment and, and sadness and worry and fears and doubts and 
and then you get naked and you're supposed to have a, you know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. It doesn't work, does it, Gail? Experience? Uh, yeah. uh, what does happiness have to do with sex? Uh, like everything. Mm. <laughs> but in turn, you said your happiest true self. Like I'm thinking when I hear happiest true self, that feels like a very life coaching thing. And I think most people would think about sex or problems they're having with um, sex is not related to their authentic self. They're just like, there's something not working. So I find that's an interesting connection between, um, your, you know, I don't think most people would, would consider having great sex lives as having to do with their most true authentic selves. Ah, yes. Well, hence um, there lies the problem, I guess. Think a lot, yeah, don't you think a lot of that comes from the fact that we don't, especially at our age, you know, when we were younger, we didn't get really open-minded, open-hearted conversations about sex and sexuality. No. And we got regurgitated information. We got outdated conditioning. And then we were meant to muddle through with that and figure it out on our own. And not to mention a little shame and guilt to go along with it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> heavy Who got that? Yeah. <laughs> right? right? Heavy, heavy doses. Yes. Exactly. And, and then... You know, um, here's, okay, so mm, I'd like to go down this path a little bit more. Let's go. About, <laughs> about the sex and sexuality. Can we circle back to, remind me, we'll circle back to the happiest and truest self later. Sure. Um, but you talked about, you know, the guilt and shame. And with sex, one of the things people really don't understand is that the erotic mind, what turns you on uh, the thoughts you have about sex, sometimes they're fantasies that we create willingly. Sometimes they're just thoughts that come into our mind that are not politically correct. They are not morally correct by any standard whatsoever. And it's just the nature of the erotic mind. It is not politically correct. We have thoughts that we would never think to act out on but they are still there as a turn-on for us and what we do most of the time because we don't understand this is we repress that we think it's bad it's wrong I I, I, geez, I shouldn't feel that attraction to that particular person or thing and it's not like I'm ever going to act on it but I shouldn't even be having that thought. I'm bad for even having that thought. I've got to control my thoughts. And that's not the way the mind works. Mm. So, you know, people think about fantasies and they have all of this baggage and shame and guilt around fantasies. And I ask them, you know, have you ever fantasized about winning the lottery? <laughs> and the answer Same is, yes. <laughs> right? It's like, yeah, and have you thought about what you would do with the money and how it would feel to have all that money and you know, just how you would spend all that money and how much time you would devote to the causes that you would donate this money to? And, and I you know, go down this trail of all of these contributing thoughts around winning the lottery, and I said, so are any of those bad? No, and, no, no, they're just thoughts. Uh -huh. Exactly. So why, when it comes to sex, do we have all this baggage around it? And it's just simply that we are all functioning the best we can with the information we've been given. Mm. 
And a lot of us have been given information, <laughs> misinformation. misinformation that that really, you know, laid a trip on us. Certainly. Yes. And the last thing I think anybody should do with that is take it away and go, oh, well, it's all my mother's fault then. Or, <laughs> oh, those you know, mothers get the, so much blame. <laughs> it's the pastor's fault. <laughs> it's particular teacher's fault. It's, you know, the coach's fault. Yeah. It's this, it, because they told me, da, 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 da. Well, where'd they get their information from? Right. It was passed on to them by somebody who came before them, before them, before them, before them. And, you know, looking for blame and causation about where this misinformation came from is ridiculous because it just, there's, it's never ending. It can always be traced to something that came before it. Mm. And it's the same with any uh, arguments and disconnection that you have in your relationship, whether it's about sex or anything else. People tend to look for the, why did this happen? Who's to blame? And we do it on a conscious level, but we also do it on a subconscious level. And we look for what's the cause of that so we can fix this. Instead of just going from this point forward, knowing that everybody was doing the best they can up until this point. Mm. So now what do we do with that information? Right here and right now. What am I feeling inside using those emotions again as that, oh, I'm feeling sad about this or I'm feeling angry about this. Yeah. That's showing me I'm not connected to my true self. Oh, look what I just did, ladies. I just circled it around <laughs> <by> myself. <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> well, you were really, you know, addressing, uh, you know, all <laughs> good segue back to the <laughs> true self. But I'm thinking you highlighted, you know, one big problem around um, sex and intimacy is this idea of shame and guilt and, and why, you know, like you, you, the analogy of fantasizing about the lottery. And I, maybe you can talk about a little bit about, um, I think if people would see, and I, maybe I'm just extrapolating here, if they're coming to want to see a, a sex um, <laughs> therapist, they're thinking I'm having sex problems. They're not thinking I have intimacy problems. Um, you know, can you give us a, a highlight without, you know, get revealing your client's personal information, but maybe the large buckets that people come to you? Like, what are the issues that people are struggling with in their relationships? Oh, across the board, the number one thing, <clears throat> and this is not gender specific. Most people will think, oh, that's a women thing, but it's so not. The number one thing across the board that people tell me is they miss feeling close to their partner. Mm, absolutely. And which just to me highlights intimacy, right? Exactly. Like they want that closeness, <laughs> right? That's the, uh, people want to feel close in the deep connection. So, and like you said, it's exactly. not just, it's not just a female <clears throat> issue. It is a, it's an issue for everybody. It is. Yes. It is. And you know, I mean, that is the number one, uh, closely followed by a lack of sexual desire, which, if you trace that back, goes back to the lack of intimacy with themselves that they don't feel comfortable or safe to um, to pursue what their desires are. Either it's something a relationship issue just with themselves intimately, or it's with 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 their partner, and so they excuse me they start to lose desire. Can you can you speak to um, the the whole idea of lack of intimacy with themselves? Absolutely. Like what, what, you know, what is and, that or how does that show up? Oh, fear. Number one is fear. Fear of uh, what? Within, within fear, the sexual context? Fear, name it. Fear of 
Um, okay, so within the sexual context, uh, uh, fear about not being able to maintain an erection, fear of not having an orgasm, fear of being rejected if they suggest or either verbally or um, initiate a particular activity that they might not have before. Um, fear of, perfor of performance anxiety, fear that they won't be accepted for who they are. Um, it can be, you know, fear, fear of pregnancy, mm. fear of STIs, fear of... What about long-term uh, relationships? Opening themselves up. Like people who've been oh. in long-term relationships and end up in, in this boat. Like what, what, what kind of fears come up around that? Because you know your partner really well. Um, hopefully you feel safe with your partner. Yes, um, depends on the level of intimacy, again. Mm -hmm. And I, I'll say that sex is like a roller coaster. You know, um, you need to feel, like if you walked up to a roller coaster, say, and, and it's, it's a thrilling, exhilarating ride, just like you hope sex would be, right? But you walk up to this great big roller coaster, and if you're not 100% about feeling confident and comfortable about your safety, you're not going to feel good getting on that ride. And the same goes in a relationship. Even in a long-term relationship, you can get into the mundane, the, the same old, same old. And the fear is not being seen for who you are. Mm. It, it's the monotony mm. um first you do this and then i do that oh. and then this happens right. and then that happens <laughs> right. and then one person gets off and then hopefully the other person gets off and then oh okay oh. wow what do you want for dinner <laughs> yeah it, oh my gosh so and gail like so then there's this other thing that happens in our life menopause mm -hmm. and, and everything our physi physiologically we are changing Mm -hmm. And that is a whole other kettle of fish, do you think? <laughs> um, yes and no. And again, it comes back to that individual intimacy. I mean, yes, uh, for women, you know, the hormones change. Well, I mean, all genders. Hormonal changes. Our waistline expands no matter what we <laughs> try to do about it. It's just one of those things that happens. Uh, we... You know, vaginal dryness, um, men not being able to get as hard and maintain it for as long. All of these things come into play with aging. So if you're not confident and comfortable with who you are and your own sexuality, you're going to cave underneath those things. and Or chances are higher that you will cave underneath those things and not feel as vital and not come forward with as much enthusiasm if you're not feeling that sex is the way it was when I was 25, thank you very much, mm -hmm. or 35 or 40. We, those things can get in the way. But if you maintain, if you grow and maintain a strong sense of who you truly are, your happiest self. We come back yeah, to that. Yes. And what that means is, you know, you've worked through 
those false beliefs, those that old conditioning, past hurts, and the triggers that uh, still come up from them. And they can be really subtle right. and insidious, but they're Can you there. give an example? I know I'm putting you on the spot. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> like, what would be something that would be subtle? That I Because I think that's the point. Most people miss that, and they don't realize that's actually impacting... Um, the sex and intimacy with their their partner okay so one of mine and it's something that if I'm not aware of it it can still crop up for me is that I was bullied in school as a kid and you know I was bullied for how I looked and what I wore and you know you name it I was the schoolyard scapegoat Mm. and so If I've been getting in my own head and, you know, not feeling good about one thing or another, um, you know, maybe it's about work and I'm not sure about what I'm writing about and am I confident about it and how is this going to go and or I get a bad review or a bad comment left on a post I've made or a video I've made, then that can get in my head and I'm like, reinforces those old feelings and ideas yeah yeah exactly there's that that subtle feeling of being bullied again and then you know my husband initiates sex and i'm in that headspace of not feeling accepted that can translate into my sexual experience if i'm not careful about what is it I'm thinking right now? What is it I'm feeling right now? And is it really about right now, present moment with my husband? Mm-hmm. Or is it about that thing that right. happened this morning? That interrupts it but now. That, but yeah. that being tuned in. So back to what we talked at the very beginning. As we become more tuned in, then we can start putting that sort of where it's, where it's supposed to be and not in the bedroom. Exactly. Mm. What, exactly you or know, the I kitchen have... or the dining room or whatever it is you're being intimate <laughs> right absolutely. <laughs> absolutely the kids are all gone now <laughs> now you know i do want to share um a, a quick story about a couple clients that i had where uh they were barely having sex at all like you know once every couple of months or so and he they were she was saying that, no, you know, I just don't miss it. I just don't want sex anymore. It's really not that big a deal to me. And she sounded all very, you know, hey, I've processed this. It's just not on my radar right now, and I'm good with that. And he was really missing her and their sexual connection. And as we dug down into it, it turned out that he had a habit of taking his socks off wherever they were in the house, wherever he was. Uh-oh. And his socks would be like everywhere. And she was saying to me, uh, yeah, they just, it annoys me. I just get really tired of picking them up all the time. It's like I'm living with my own kid. And yeah. I went, yeah. oh, hello. Who wants to have sex with their own kid? Pardon me? Wow. Hopefully, hopefully nobody. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it was 
it was that aha moment. It was that irritant that was coming up that she's associating with, you're not picking up your sock, so it was totally turning her off. And I think that's another subtlety that you're pointing to, that anything can derail this. Exactly. The crumbs on the kitchen counter, right? Whatever is happening in your house, it's those little things. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had other clients where... You know, he was just this really laid back guy and she was a little testy (laughs) and they'd be driving in the car and somebody would cut him off. He's behind the wheel. Somebody would cut him off and he's like, yeah, whatever. You know, what's it going to put me behind five seconds? Who cares? But she would get really outrageous about it and lean over and lay on the horn while he's driving. Well, he felt so emancipated over time from 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 her taking charge in this very masculine aggressive way that he had trouble maintaining erection wow so right so i'm just sitting here thinking about all the things right in a relationship where you are feels like a miracle that anything gets done at all (laughs) in a relationship So, and I'm sure you must know this, Dr. Gary Chapman in the five love languages. Um, I, I've done that recently. And one of them, you know, mine is acts of service. So it's the whole idea that people, you know, you have to speak in the other person's love language. And, and we generally tend to speak in the one that you are. So if it's uh, for me, acts of service. So if I was doing something for other people that shows, you know, uh, it may not be how they like it, but if someone's vacuuming and doing the dishes, I'm like, they really love me. I don't need the words of affirmation or there's a, there's other those other categories. So that's what it feels like. It's like people need to know what their love language is. That's part of it. Absolutely. I don't think it's the whole picture, no. but I think that it really <laughs> can shine a spotlight on on some disconnect that happens within the relationship for sure because those things are like putting little deposits right in the emotional bank account i think i remember seeing that years ago on oprah i don't know who was on there but they said every time you do something you know and and it fills the other person up you are making deposits but if you're Mm -hmm. continually making in their language right right by speaking in their language but if you're continually making withdrawals it's not going to go well for intimacy no. And one of the no. things that I liked in our conversation, and you mentioned it earlier in the in the podcast, uh, you talked about intimacy being body, mind, heart, and spirit. And I like that idea of the spirit, uh, you know, because that's what we talk about a lot on this show. So how does intimacy, uh, how is that related to spirituality? I don't think people would associate the two. Mm, well, I believe that our sexuality is is part and parcel of our spirit or or our sexuality is part and parcel of our spirituality i don't believe that you can separate the two Mm. our spirituality is about really you know this this is all part of intimacy too but our spirituality is about really the quest in spirituality is to know oneself Mm -hmm. And to have that deep connection to to themselves and to all of creation, to have, know to have create that spaciousness within themselves, meaning to rid themselves of um, 
things from their past or, or things that don't serve them, create that spaciousness with an open heart, open mind, and be aware of their oneness with all. And when you think about sexuality, the best sex is when you come and you meet one another with open minds, open hearts, with the intention of connection, and not just physically, but on an emotional level, on a, a thought level, your mental level, and connecting your energies, which is spirituality, mm. because we're all energetic beings. Everything in the universe is energy, and sex is energy. The act of sex, the thoughts of sex, it's, it's all energy. And our, our spirit is, as I said at the beginning, our essence, our vitality, our energy. And that's what sex is. It's the translation of that between two people. Now, when do, do, is this a, that's a, that's a beautiful thank you that, that was, is yeah. beautiful <laughs> I know I'm sitting here and I'm just kind of vibrating with you know like all of this talk really speaks to what Dane and I talk about with our guests and this is another beautiful level but my question really I think is that is an, a beautiful um expression and I maybe this is divvying it out like do men see this is very physical that feels like a very womanly view of it is that your experience that men don't see it like that or they want they want that as well again i i haven't uh when it comes to genders a lot of the things that we think are more men or more women uh really again is outdated conditioning and what men and what women believe are expected of them in the bedroom mm. Because there are a lot of men who really embrace their full essence and really honor themselves and their partner in bed. And there are a lot of women who sex is just an activity to get off and then that's it. Thank you. I'm done. I got my dose. Let's go do something else now. Hmm. It's uh, I've met I've met probably equal amounts. Okay, so so it's not a both. so it's not something that. So these are some misconceptions, yeah. right? That we are learning about today. Yeah, I believe they're misconceptions, and and you know, as as I said, it's uh, what we have come to believe we expect. Right, um, and we the guess. behavior, yes. the behavior we expect of men, and the behaviors we expect of women, and going back to spirituality and energy, we all have the same biology. You know, men have testicles, women have ovaries. They are the same functions. <laughs> they are the. That is where the sperm and the eggs come from. This. Um, we are we are all masculine energy and feminine energy. You know, we we can step into our. You ever see uh, a grown man, great big burly man, holding a brand new baby? Mm. Oh, 
Yes, that's mm-hmm. a beautiful right. Visual. He yes. is in his feminine yeah. energy, and you see a woman at the gym powerlifting. She's in her masculine energy doing that. We all have both masculine and feminine energy, and we can bring that to everything that we do. You know, women, this became very, very apparent a number of years ago when women started joining the workforce en masse. Mm. All of a sudden, they went from being much more tuned into their feminine energy to having to tune into their masculine energy. And then it became this a thing that is still going on today. How do we switch back and forth from our work mode and our masculine energy to being in our feminine energy in the bedroom with our partner? Um, and then for men navigating that same thing, it's okay. Well, I've always been in this masculine energy and in this, this, um, this persona of what I have been taught to believe a man and male and masculine energy looks like and now all of a sudden um okay i'm caring for the kids sometimes and i'm cooking dinner and wait what mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and so it's it's become because it's not as polarized as it used to be we're at a time where we're still navigating all of these waters and the thing about our sex lives is we can bring both to the table. Mm. You know, I mean, who's when, whenever, um, whenever a woman takes the lead in sex, she is still in her feminine energy, but she's stepping a little bit into the role of the masculine energy by, by leading. Mm. Mm. And whenever a man surrenders to what she is doing and desiring, He's stepping back into his feminine energy a little bit. Mm. Now, I don't mean that to scare people like, you know, it's either or because we all have this going on at the same time. It's just how we use it. It's a it's a and dance, I, isn't it? It's a it sure is. And I, I feel like there's a lot like the, I think about, you know, wow, the magic of having this all happen in your lives when there's so many things and people bring different things to the table. Like you said, the conditioning that we've had as we grew up and so on. So here we bring to all these problems, all our things. People come to see you, the intimacy expert. And you said that you help people gain confidence in and out of the bedroom. So despite what it is that you have going on in your life, then how do you um, coach people or address uh, that to get people to be more confident? Like, how, how do you help people gain confidence in and out of the bedroom? Well, the first thing I yeah. do... I know that's a big question. But. <laughs> you, know, you know, I've had clients who were on, you know, like our eighth session and they're still trying to figure out what I'm doing. Right. <laughs> what it is, is, you know, I when I do an intake with new clients... Um, I do it individually, like even when I'm working with a couple. I work with I work with individuals and I work with couples. But when I work with a couple, I work with them mostly one-on-one. And we do some couple sessions because they have to learn their intimacy with themselves first before they can be truly intimate with their partner. So the intake... I do is quite extensive and it's leave no stone unturned. You know, I ask questions about their sex life, about their relationship, about their childhood, about how they feel about different things that may have happened throughout their life. 
what their what their history has been and i look for the red thread the the links between this thing and that thing and and you know i've been doing this for quite some time so i can see an overview and pull this together um and then it's i've got different modalities where i lead people through a guided modality that i developed that is part meditation, it's part hypnosis, it's part neuro-linguistic programming, uh, that we look at um, past hurts, and we go in and so they can go back to that past hurt and basically rewrite the script of it. Now, you can't rewrite history, but we... Um, face and or they face and effectively process the emotions that went with that incident so it can be left in the past and it doesn't trigger them in the present moment Mm -hmm. and by past that can be something earlier in the relationship uh, previous relationships childhood where these things generally start again we're not blaming anybody uh, because you know, I was, we were talking about anger, mm-hmm. that all of these emotions are just indicators. And the thing is that we have things that happen in the past that hurt us. And they're simply a memory. It's only a thought that you remember, except if there is an emotion that is cementing that memory in place. So we have to address those emotions. You know, I was, I was bullied. So how did I feel? I felt like I didn't matter. I was um, not accepted. Uh, I wasn't good enough. Yeah. So I had all those false beliefs and the emotions of sadness and anxiety that went with them. So I would go back into those experiences and look at those and look at what I was feeling and then leave them in the past. But what we tend to do instead is a lot of emotional bypassing where staying positive, doing affirmations, hey, I'm good, that's in the past, I don't have to deal with that anymore, here I go, I'm great. And your mind knows you're telling it a big fat lie. (laughs) your mind knows that your ego knows that your ego part of your ego's job is to keep you separated from your true self so your ego mind Mm -hmm. continues to, to remind you of those past events and that limiting belief and how you felt at the time and it tells you that story right now so your husband your wife your partner does something and you feel that blip and you feel that emotion and you have that thought and most of the time very little of it has to do with what is happening right here right now in this present moment most of it can be traced back to those things that happen in the past that your ego is going um this looks familiar don't go there. Don't trust. Don't soften. Don't let them in. Protect your heart. You know you're going to get hurt again. Mm. And so what I do with clients is we go in and release those things 
again, effectively, instead of just emotionally bypassing them with affirmations that, you know, it's like putting icing on a styrofoam cake that yeah. <laughs> does make, it's not going to make the cake any good. It's just um, going to look pretty on the outside. <laughs> exactly. And you, exactly. you must do a lot of work around limiting beliefs with your clients. Totally. Yeah, because there's a lot of things that hold people back in their life, let alone in this particular lane of sex and intimacy. Um, mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and I would think a lot of that has to do with people's upbringing, what they believe. I, I know you, you, you and I had a conversation in Lane. We're all ex-Catholic girls. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And and, exactly. and and the kind of, um, yes. you know, conditioning or, or, or whatever that, you know, you just get these little quips in your ear your whole life about how you're supposed to behave and, you know, things like oh, that yeah, that can be yeah. limiting beliefs, let alone all the umpteen, I, like, I can't even imagine how many umpteen limiting beliefs there are that we have around this particular topic. Exactly. Like, oh, did you guys ever get the, don't be so big for your britches, young lady? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tone like, it, tone it down. I get to be a good girl. <laughs> Good girl. Yeah, don't, don't be so loud. Don't be so enthusiastic. Don't be so big. Yeah. And then you're supposed to be the sexual wanton goddess in the bedroom. Right. right. And don't ask for what you want. If you can't ask for what you want in life, how the heck are you going to do that behind a closed door? <laughs> right. Although you think you would, you're behind a closed door. But like you said, all these subtleties rise up at inopportune moments. So, so you can't say a little to the left and use the space bar. <laughs> Dana and I have this thing. It's like, isn't it from the Friends, Friends, Friends episode? episode 7373? I had it in a space bar. <laughs> space bar, space bar, space bar. Yeah. But we have to be able to have those conversations. Well, it's so interesting because around communication, communication in the bedroom, communication in life, if you're not practiced asking for what you want, period. Right. How, how is that going to translate into that area of your life? Which I don't think it is. Me back, which takes me back to the um, intimacy with self and being yeah. your happiest, true self. Right. Uh, how do you ask for what you want if you don't even know what you want? Right. Oh, that's a good one. Yes, that's great. I think, right? Gail, yeah. I think I'm, what I love about what you do is your work. When we had that little post-conversation uh, after the Elizabeth Gilbert event, I felt like, I'm like, oh, she does coaching. And, and this is just related to just a, a very particular niche, right? You, you're you're talking about it in this very particular lane. I think it's so powerful because again, it, it does translate. If you don't know who you really are or what you want, or how are you even going to ask for it? You're, you're hundred percent right. And uh, we're just talking about this particular lane, but that applies in every lane of your life, your work life, your friend life, everything. all parts of your life. So Gail, people are listening and they're going, wow, th this is like, they're, they're connecting some dots or some ahas happening so how can we be more compassionate to ourselves? And I, I read something on, you know, within your literature and, and you help people that. So how can the people who are listening right now go, okay, I've just unpacked a whole bunch of stuff from this cool conversation um, and Gail is, is really opening my eyes. How can we be compassionate to ourselves as we move forward then to find more intimacy with ourselves and with our partners? Okay, um, I'm I'm a little stymied because I'm going. What what did I write? <laughs> I don't know, but it just it struck me right, and and so I think compassion to ourselves is is a big part of this, right? As we grow, absolutely, and you know that's called self love. Mm -hmm. 
that's what compassion is. It's cutting yourself some slack. It's giving yourself a break that you can't possibly know it all. Nobody does. We're all on a journey of learning. Uh, one of the things that I try to remember for myself, you know, people talk about purpose. And my purpose in life is to be the best teacher I can be. Or my purpose in life is to be this or that or the other thing. Well, I don't buy it. I believe that that's our calling. We're called to do certain things. I believe everybody has the same purpose in life. And that is to be the best person they can. Mm. To um, learn and grow. And to awaken. And to awaken. Mm-hmm. To... Um, to to grow into love mm-hmm. you know all of the lower emotions that i talk about that there's there's two camps there's the ego camp and the true self camp and the ego emotions are all the ones that keep us down and stuck they are all fear based emotions everything from boredom and worry and frustration and resentments and and judgments, judgments of self, oh my goodness, that's a whole other show. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, that, that is all ego, mind-based stuff. It's all fear-based emotions that come from the ego mind. And we are humans. We all have it. We cannot shut our egos off or down. We simply have to acknowledge it and then be able to say, Thank you, ego, um, but I'm not interested. On you go. I'm choosing love. Mm. And knowing that all of our true self-emotions are love. They're all love-based emotions. It's empowerment. It's contentment, peace, joy, love, appreciations. If you're having trouble and you're connecting some dots and you're starting to feel bad about, oh, man, I'm really messing up here. I haven't done very good in this and that and the other thing, and I've judged my partner harshly and everything else. Turn it around into two appreciations. What can I appreciate about myself right now? What can I appreciate about my partner right now? How can I be more compassionate? Turn to appreciations. Mm. Mm. What do I already have that I feel joyful about, peaceful about, content with? What do I already have in my life that's abundant all of that is like massaging your heart and not self-compassion. That's so good. That is beautiful. And I'm sitting here and I have tears in my eyes because Gail, that is, that's what everybody wants, Mm. right? I think we just want to feel closer to that love, Mm. that divine love. So Gail, what you, yeah, go ahead. And when we know that, when we feel that in our hearts, when we massage our own heart, on, you know, when we, the, um, there's a place in California called the HeartMath Institute, and they've done fantastic studies about heart energy. When you put your hands over your heart and you breathe and you focus on your heart, you're actually growing the electromagnetic energy of your heart. Mm. So when you do appreciations and you're focusing on your heart, then you are increasing the amount of love that you feel. And 
when you're doing that, you're tuning into your true self, who you truly are. And that's when you know, without a doubt, at the very core of your being, you already do matter. You are good enough. So true. When, when you talk about coaching people individually, uh, and I assume people would come to you with just one partner, not two people, because one person wants to work on it. Can people turn around a relationship when one person gets coached in this area and they're trying to find their true self, but the other person isn't doing that work? Sure. <laughs> my yeah. relationship is a prime example. I did all the work. My husband was sitting back going, uh, no, no, <laughs> just no. <laughs> we tried therapy. It didn't work. And now you're doing all this woo-woo stuff and I'm really not digging it. Thank you very much. No, no, no. And But as I started growing into my own self and I started choosing love and choosing my true self, it created the safe space for him to start exploring it. Mm. so that often happens you know i mean is every single relationship meant to last probably not and there are times where you know you do have to part ways but if it comes to that i always say do this work first otherwise you don't know if you're making that decision from your heart from your true self and what is the greatest good of both partners and everybody else or are you making that decision based on your ego fears? Mm. It's still about doing this work. It's about the spiritual journey of who you are. It's the intimacy journey of who you are, including your sexuality. I have goosebumps. <laughs> I, I love it because I think it's so important for anybody who's been in a relationship, who's been close to giving up, and some people who have because they're frustrated, they can't figure their way out. But I, if this feels like if you have not done this ultimate work on yourself, this is your last resort before you throw out a relationship because you don't know what is possible for that relationship if you haven't done the work on yourself. And, and I will say it time and time again, if you do not do the work on yourself, you might end that relationship, but I guarantee you're going on to the next one and the next thing will, it'll you're, just- You're bringing the baggage re, It'll with repeat you. it yeah. itself. Mm -hmm. And it's not because the situation, it's because what you're bringing to it. You know, you haven't done the work and there's no way around it. And I think this is the most beautiful, most important work that we possibly could do. And, and I like your, your definition of spirituality is to know oneself and you know and you're linked to all creation mm -hmm. yeah that's thank you yeah that's thank you that's that's a, a really interesting way to put it um you know a, a big problem that people will often or i sort of hear generally maybe you could speak to this is people just aren't having sex at all you know what is often it was a what is often going on but um, you know, when there's no sex, there's no marriage. And, and I, I remember when I first, um, got married, we had to take a six week preparation course. Uh, <laughs> I remember that. You yeah. remember those? They Mar had to take marriage them? preparation. Remember yeah. preparation from a priest, <laughs> from a priest. And I remember thinking, uh, we, it was the segment of the six weeks where we talked about sex and intimacy and it was like, oh boy, you know? And, uh, and I remember the priest saying two things to us. He addressed the men in the room. He said, one, your wife is not a mattress. Two, <laughs> if there's no sex, there's no marriage. It starts to decline. And I thought, what does this guy know about that? But turns out a lot because he counseled a lot of couples. And mm -hmm. um, would you say that's true? Uh, well, the way I define it is a happy, healthy relationship is a balance of love, intimacy, and sex. 
<clears throat> and and if things are floundering in any one of those areas, it affects the others. Mm. Now, here's the thing about that is that, you know, love is a pure emotion. Sex is perfectly natural. And so where is all the baggage? The baggage happens in the intimacy portion, but it affects the sex and the the amount of love that you feel mm, yeah. so yeah uh, with without you know if we don't have love the relationship lacks compassion and kindness and if we don't have intimacy it lacks connection and if we don't have sex it lacks creativity and vitality Mm. I read- because our because the sex and the sexuality again it's part and parcel of our spirituality mm. I, I read somewhere on your website and i don't know if it was in a blog but you said intimacy is where the baggage is and maybe we've already addressed that but wh- what do you mean by that or maybe we've touched on it well what i was just saying you know about love is pu- the pure emotion and sex is perfectly natural. Uh, the 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 baggage. I use a little parable to describe this, and it's that. Imagine when you incarnated here on Earth, and before you before you were born, you made an agreement that okay, you know, you said. You agreed that when you came to Earth, you would carry this bag along with you for the duration. Mm. You would have this with you. And you thought, yeah, okay, no big deal. It's an empty bag. I can carry this around. It's not going to get in the way at all. No biggie. And you start off in life, and things are good. You have really wonderful experiences, and you revel in them, and they feel amazing. But then you have that first hurt when you're really little. And you don't know what to do with it. Your your parent slaps your hand away from the hot stove. Perfectly natural, right? Your yes. parent wants to protect you. But to your little heart and your little mind, you, the context of which you are looking at life through, it's like, they don't love me anymore. Right. This person who loves me just hurt me. Love's not safe. Ah. And then that's or carried through. whatever. Yes. Right? And, and you don't know what to do with the emotion, and it hurts so bad, and you think, oh, that's what this bag must be for, to put all that stuff away that I don't want to face. So you throw it in the bag. And then you go on through life, and you have more experiences that don't feel good. And you shove those emotions away because they're too hard. They're too intense, and they don't feel good. So you put them in the bag so you don't have to face them. By the time you're an adult and in an adult relationship, that bag is so flipping heavy, and let yeah. me tell you, when by the time I was in my second marriage, I didn't have a shot. I didn't have like a suitcase bag. I had an overflowing shopping cart full <laughs> oh, of baggage. Wow! It was huge that I had to weigh through, and this all is the intimacy portion. You didn't understand what was happening as a kid, right? You didn't have the the intellect yes. around it you you felt pure love and you weren't really you know i mean you weren't 
genitally, you weren't a sexual being yet, but you had vitality, you had energy, you had your essence. It was all there. That was all there in your play, in your imagination, in letting yourself feel free. All of that was there. Mm. But it was the, the intimacy, the relational portions with yourself, your thoughts, your emotions, your rela- the relational context with your parents, with siblings, with playmates, where those hurts started to happen that you packed away. That's so good. Oh, Gail. This is a packed episode of <laughs> all sorts of goodies. Well, um, so you have a Facebook and, and there was there's some great stuff from your Facebook. I mean, we could I think we could talk for for a lot more hours, but pleasure is the foundation. And I loved what you said about um, the rules of homework first, then go play. But you oh. said, ah, but you said mm-hmm. it's different. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Because we are so taught, you know, eat your peas, then you can go play. Do do your homework first, then you can have dessert. Or maybe I had that the other way around. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um and so we're taught that we have to get through all of these hardships the things we don't want to do before we get the reward. And I don't believe life is meant to be that way. We are meant to live in joy. We are meant to feel free in our emotions. We are meant to be our true essence and our vitality. And our vitality doesn't come when we're sitting down grinding away an essay in homework or whatever it is, you know, school analogies, but the same thing with adult life. We have to allow ourselves that time for for play. And a lot of that in our relationship is relegated to the bedroom. You know, we were so busy with so many to-dos and gotta-dos and go, 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 and busyness, 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 that often we don't even connect until we're in bed together. So we uh, miss out so, on the play. We miss out on that playful stuff like going for a walk or hanging out at the beach and playing a card game. Like those are things, to me, those are those intimacy things through the day. Mm-hmm. that lead you to the, to the sexual part of your relationship? Sure, because, you know, I mean, foreplay is 24-7. Mm-hmm. It's not just what you do with your fingers here or kiss there and, and get a person aroused. That's a very narrow concept of what foreplay is. What creates arousal is all the playful moments, the romance, the taking, what does it take literally to pick up your phone and send a text? You know, what, 15 seconds? Right. If it's really short, you could pick up your phone, click your partner's number, click a heart, and you're done in less than five seconds. And it's just that little letting them know. Mm. And you, it's those little moments It's those tiny moments that build on each other and reminding yourself to be playful. At the end of the day, what do you do? Do you just talk about all the crap stuff that happened in your day? 
Right. And this went on and that went on and oh, and then this happened and then that <laughs> happened. And oh, you think that was bad? Well, let me tell you about my day. And then let's crawl then, into bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right after we've done our laundry list of the day's drudgery. You must feel great. <laughs> but, but what if we were to share the fun stuff, the playful stuff? What if we took that time to, you know, you want to watch a, a, a TV program? So whatever. I mean, so many so many coaches out there say, ditch the TV, and I'm going, yeah, whatever. It's real life, right? So <laughs> There's nothing so wrong not, with a cuddle on the couch and a good movie. <laughs> right? So why not do that instead of sitting in separate places within the room? Why not sit side by side and cuddle and hold hands? Why not? You know, I mean, one of the things that we like watching um, are some of the, the home renovation shows and it'll take and we'll record them. And then it'll take like, you know, an hour to watch a half hour show because we keep pausing going, oh, what do you think about that countertop? And we just <laughs> that sounds familiar. My husband listens to this and be like, oh, it's us. <laughs> and we get into just a really playful. Co- Why did they choose that? What is going on? If we did that, we would blah, 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 blah. And we start thinking about all the amazing things that could be. Or um, we start talking and, and getting into a playful mood with one another. I, when's the last time you ever thought about doing something fun? I mean, you mentioned a card game. So, you know, strip poker. What about Twister? Ooh, strip, what about- strip Twister. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Naked twister. <laughs> but you know, that's gonna take a lot of confidence for some people to even consider. Right. So that when the when your relationship is already playful, those things come easily. But how do you create that play? It's by being right. open to it. Right. It's about it's about soothing your own soul. It's about Looking at your own spirit and that, and in an intimate way, what is it that lights you up? What brings you joy? What are the things that you used to do that you don't do anymore that were playful or fun or you were enthusiastic about? Was it a sport? Was it a team sport? Did you paint? Did you sing? Did you dance? When's the last time you took a five-minute dance break in the middle of the day? Like, what are the things, you know, do you, do you, when you garden, do you, you know, rage through weeds, or do you hum to yourself? Do you sing to yourself? Do you do you what kind of what do you listen to in the in the car? Is it another audio book, or do you put on some tunes that really light you up? What can create play in your life is mm. so unique to each individual. Well, I think you're pointing but to making people feel so good because people don't mm-hmm. feel good often enough. Like you're right, they focus on what's bad or what 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 are the stresses the in your life to the day, right? <laughs> yeah, but being more playful puts you in that space of love, uh, you know, or that true self. Well, just you sharing that list, Gail. Like I'm all bubbly inside. I'm like, I can't wait when we're done. Um, sometimes Dane and I will dance, <laughs> <laughs> and we sing a bit. <laughs> Just because it's, and I think when you're more playful in life, it's it's going to lead to other places. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you know, I mean, I always, I wasn't always. Uh, like I said, I was bullied as a kid. I didn't really know how to be playful. I had to learn that. Mm. And um, in our relationship, when things tanked, I didn't, like, when I say about listening to the radio, I'm serious about that. Like, I, I couldn't listen to music for the longest time when we were at our lowest point because the all the love the songs about breakups i would just get angry or sad the songs about love i got yeah whatever and you know i would burst into tears or they trigger me in some way because of what i was missing what i was lacking what i all my hurts and my sorrows came up i just couldn't do it And as we individually worked on releasing all of our old stuff, the old hurts, the old beliefs, the letting go and relaxing into who I truly was, we were driving down the road one day and all of a sudden, and I remember this so vividly, so vividly, we were driving on the freeway and... I realized I was singing. Mm-hmm. Daryl had the radio on. My husband, Daryl, he had the radio on. And I was singing. And I stopped because it was like, <gasps> what am I doing? Mm. And he just said, please don't stop. It's so good to hear you sing again. Oh. And trust me, I don't, I, I mean, <laughs> I can't sing. I can't carry a tune. <laughs> but you were having fun um, in your moment. I was. And I, I just started bawling. And so, you know, he turned the radio off thinking I'd been triggered again. And and first exit, he was able to take. He took the exit and, and we just sat in the Jeep and talked. And, you know, he was asking, you know, what's wrong? Did something trigger you? And, you know, he'd learned by that point the right questions to ask. <laughs> <laughs> so that was good. But, you know, um, and I, I assured him, I said, no, no. I, I'm not sad. I wasn't triggered. I just, these are tears of joy. I never thought I would sing again. Mm, wow. It just feels so good. And I realized that I feel so good right now. It almost hurts because it feels so foreign. Mm, so interesting. But that was when I really knew that all of the stuff that I had created, all these, the modalities and the work, and I went, okay. This works. It's working. You found yourself a <laughs> and little that's, model. That's when I started, I started applying it to clients. That it, it was like, okay. And then I started seeing their successes. It was like, okay. So it started with the song. <laughs> it started with the song. Well, Gail, I think we could talk to you all day. <laughs> You're a wealth of information. Wow. Um, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Your website, gailfriend.com? Yeah, doctor, it's... DrGailFriend.com, D-R-G-A-Y-L-E, friend, F-R-I-E-N-D.com. Or they can email me directly, Gail, G-A-Y-L-E, at DrGailFriend.com. However they'd like to get in touch with me. I mean, on Facebook, I have my page, Dr. Gail Friend, again, uh, is my Facebook page. And I have a Facebook group uh, called Make Love Great. Mm. 
And so they can join that group. It's open to the public and have discussions. Well, it's, it's open, but it's it's a closed group. They have to ask answer a couple questions first mm-hmm. because I want to make sure that it's a, a right. safe and respectful place for everybody. Right. Good but idea. absolutely. Well, that's awesome. Is there anything else we need to know about Gail Friend? Huh. We, we know we have a, a book coming up, right? <laughs> Not launching next year. <laughs> I'm thinking, what, my eyes are green? They can go on your website and check out all that information. And you have some great videos as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. I, I do yeah. have I do have a book coming out. Um we're looking at fall twenty twenty. Uh, but there's going to be a whole load of stuff leading up to that throughout 2020. Uh so yes, if they're in touch with me through my website or through Facebook or the Make Love Great group on Facebook, they'll be privy to all of the pre-launch stuff for the book that is going to, that only they will be available to know about because I'm not going to share absolutely everything with the world until the book comes out. Oh, I imagine that'll be awesome. they, they They get a sneak peek of it all, yeah. Well, I think we'll end with a quote of yours, and I don't. It must have been on a blog or something, um, and it was just simply, uh, "The struggle ends when love grows," and I yeah. think that just feels right, mm-hmm. and, and so, is a summarizes our conversation I today. Think that, that and then some. <laughs> Thank you, Gail. <laughs> Thank you, ladies, Thank you. so much for having me. I. I've had a great time. Yeah, you are excellent pretty... hosts. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Fun. That Thank was you. fun. Thanks, Thanks Gail. I'm Dana Lloyd. And I'm Elaine Shannon. You've been listening to Soul Sister Conversations, the podcast. You can connect with Dana at DanaLloydLeadership.com and you can connect with Elaine at ElaineShannon.com. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And join us for more Soul Sister Conversations. Thanks for listening.